what's up party people we are back um i have great news for you guys um we have a reformed misogynist here um someone has <laughs> finally watched the barbie movie so yay give him a round of applause <laughs> what'd you think of the movie friend i i it was definitely an enjoyable watch but i definitely have a lot of constructive criticism for it i actually wrote down everything i wanted to say because that's how much i have to say um yeah and on the other hand i also saw the five nights at freddy's movie finally i know that's been out for a little bit i had actually watched Matt Pat, who has now recently retired from YouTube, that he had made a two-hour summary of the entire lore of Five Nights at Freddy's, which I'm not going to lie, friend, I really didn't know that there was, like, an entire lore to the franchise. Like, I didn't know, like, it ran that deep. Like, it has, like, almost just as much of a lore as, like, Star Wars or something. Mm -hmm. Like, you really, I think I definitely would have had a harder time understanding the film if I didn't watch that video, so thank you for that. Mm -hmm. friend you gotta start leaving your reviews on the letterbox you are so right friend i sometimes forget that i have it installed in my phone sometimes i need to get back on there mm -hmm. that's, that's stupid me I, I had this whole winter break i definitely could have wrote some wasted the whole like month and a half what what can you do i could probably write one tomorrow like as i'm waiting for my next bus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, so before we get into the movie reviews, um, have you been watching anything lately? Mm, nothing way too new lately, to be completely honest. Um, in terms of TV shows, I'm still just binging rap shit on HBO Max. And yeah, that's quite it, honestly, for TV shows. I definitely need to get into some tv shows after i finish rap shit because i just have this habit of i can't balance like you know two or three shows at once i just gotta like finish one show like straight through it and you know just kind of move on to the next check it off the mm -hmm. box i'm surprised oh. you haven't seen echo yet oh echo yes i did watch echo mm -hmm. I, I finished it in like what like not even two days honestly like i watched the first three episodes the first day it came out, then literally the next day I finished the second two episodes. I watched that with my family. I didn't watch that one alone. Um, to give like a look, I don't have way too much to say about that show. I think I could definitely give like a pretty spoiler-free review, like under one minute, honestly. While I enjoyed it overall, especially the Native American representation, it was especially very authentic because Marvel Studios, they had actually collabed with um, I believe they actually, yeah, they collaborated, like, with the Choctaw community, like, within Oklahoma, because to those who don't know, it's actually illegal to have any sort of activity on Native American, like, property, like, without permission, of course, so Marvel, like, had to make, you know, an agreement with them, and a lot of them were actually hired to design some of the costumes and whatnot on the show, so I thought that was pretty cool, if you asked me, you love to see it, and the actress, the young, well, I guess she's not that young, but 
the actress that plays Echo Olaquo Cox, that she's not only deaf in real life, but she actually is missing one of her legs. So it was quite cool seeing her like do some of her own stunts, you know, really big kudos to her. And semi-spoiler alert, that the young version of Echo in the start of the show was actually played by Alequa Cox's daughter, to my awareness, which is honestly really cool. I, I was thinking to myself, they look so much alike, and then I was like, oh, that's her daughter, that makes sense. And a lot of people were asking me, is it necessary to watch Daredevil before watching Echo? I would say so, honestly, and despite that Kingpin doesn't have as much screen time. The screen time that he does have with Echo, there's a lot of references picking up up from Daredevil. And to not give away too many spoilers, the end credit scene for that show of Echo directly ties into the new Daredevil series that's being arrived by Disney Plus, Daredevil Born Again, which I believe will release in 2025 now. It's supposed to release in 2024, but darn writer strikes. What can you do? I will give Echo a... A good 7 out of 10, 7.5 if I'm being nice, you know. Like I said, great representation, but I feel where the show really suffered the most was pacing issues. Like, there's so much that you can do when, like, five episodes is a little cheap if you add. Not even a little cheap. Like, I don't know what they were thinking with, like, five episodes. They couldn't even make it, like, an even six episodes. And all the episodes just got shorter in runtime. The very last episode of the season was less than 30 minutes. It was, like, what, 25 minutes? Which, that's a little ridiculous if you ask me. Yeah. And I feel they were definitely trying to do a lot. But, like I said... Not too many episodes, not too much runtime. They couldn't fully flesh out things, so they really had to like bombard things in the very last episode, you know. Yeah. Sorry, friend. I was drinking my sea moss. Um. You drink your sea moss, friend? I sure do. Uh, I just well, they take come mine. in these little pack. Mm, we just take ours. Like they come in these little packets now. Like, yeah, I don't do the spoonful. I just like to drink the whole thing from the packer. Sometimes I put it in my water. Mm. Your water? Doesn't it taste, like, weird? It tastes absolutely nasty, friend, but it hydrates me. Mm. Okay. Um, um, are you done, friend? Oh, yeah, I'm done talking about Echo. You can speak, friend. Okay, so the only thing that I've been watching TV show-wise is Percy Jackson. Um, episode 6 just came out yesterday. It was really good. They were in Vegas, friend. It was the Vegas episode. Oh, um, I was going to say that I, I remember the scene from the movie. Was it the... Please correct me if I'm wrong, friend. Was it the cupcakes or whatever pastries that they ate that wouldn't allow them to leave the casino? Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. that in the show, though. Well, I mean, it kind of was. Oh. But they didn't take them um so yeah it was a really good episode honestly i'm just the episodes are too short and we only have two episodes left so i'm kind of mad but it's it's really good and i love the actors they're like really in their acting bag i love the fact that they casted age appropriate actors because they i was gonna say they're actually like over 13 in real life well now, anyways, I know when they were first casted, they were probably, so, like, 10. No, when they first casted, they were probably, like, 12 or 13, maybe 14. But now, um, the oh. actors are, like... Because I know the guy who plays Percy just turned 15. 
and I'm gonna assume that the girl who plays Annabeth is the same way and the guy who plays Grover is like mm, I want to say 16 ish they're also quite young honestly that's about the age that the Stranger Things cast was cast as some time ago yeah but they were like appropriate at the time of filming um mm-hmm. so yeah i love the fact that they cast it because that you know hollywood loves to cast grown people as children and pretend like we don't know this such... i don't know how they got away with it in the early 2000s like the guy that played clark Kent on smallville he was not a convincing freshman high schooler to say the least that was a junior in college the, per- the actor who i think was the most convincing as a teenager was um jason earl you know from hannah montana because mm-hmm. he was like 20 something playing hannah montana's brother terrible. and he was supposed to be like i think he was supposed to be 16 or something like that yeah toby mcguire was despite that toby mcguire was already 24 or 25 when he was first cast as spider-man i think away with it honestly because he had a baby face at the time mm-hmm. let's look up yeah. how old oh jesus i cannot spell today uh i don't wonder how old andrew garfield was when he was cast as spider-man i don't remember 100 percent. oh jason earl was 28 when he was in season one of hannah montana he was mm. pushing 30 that is crazy. But I he looked like a kid. Tom though. Welling. I think Tom Welling, the guy that played Superman on Smallville, that he was also like 29, about to hit 30 when he was first casted as a high school freshman, which that's crazy. <laughs> Andrew Garfield was. He was 28. He was. He didn't look 28 at the time, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So he was definitely older than Toby when he was casted as Spider-Man. Was he? Yeah, when Toby was casted, I think he was 24, if I remember correctly. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the movie reviews, friend. Which one do you want to start with? Pop Master Freddy's or Barbie first? It's up to you, friend. I know you've been wanting to talk about both for some time. I'm ready for both. Okay, let's start off with Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, that's simple to speak about. Um, so me personally, I saw Five Nights at Freddy's in theaters. That was a grave mistake. Um, I forgot that people have their children in public. So I was I was in the back of the theater, and in front of me was a group of thirteen year old boys, who were like wouldn't stop moving and wouldn't shut up, and they were like sitting on each other's laps calling each other gay it was like a whole ordeal and i wanted so badly to tell them to shut up but i i can't do that i know that I, I can't do that because you can't do that in public but i had to resist the urge but i really liked the movie especially as like a longtime fan of five nights at freddy's i liked the game ever since it came out um i remember like being in mm-hmm. like computer class playing it with my friends we were like nine i want to say um so yeah we were like really and i'm like been really into the lore i fell out a little bit which is why i had to watch like <laughs> i watched like an eight hour video on the lore um so yeah i said to refresh myself 
um, and to update myself on like all the new games because there's oh, so many games for some reason I, I will never understand. To oh no, sorry, friend. I was just gonna ask you a question, but you can continue. Um. So yeah, I really like the movie. Uh, let's see. I don't remember what I gave it on my letterbox. I want to say I gave it. I gave, probably gave it a four, if I have to guess. But let's check because I'll be forgetting everything. Oh. I don't think I said this, but I also, I don't know if I talked about this on the pod yet, but I also saw Saltburn, um, which. I don't think I saw that. Um, I haven't even heard of that. What's that about again? Uh, basically, this guy, his name is Oliver, and he like goes with this other guy to spend the summer at his um, estate called Saltburn, and they get into a lot of things. I originally wasn't gonna watch it because I thought it was a romance. And I was like, mm, no. But it's actually not a romance at all. It's a thriller, um, which was really good. I gave Saltburn a four. Um, and I gave Five Nights at Freddy's. A four two. I gave Friends and Freddy's a four. Like I said, I thought so. Um, so yeah, mm. I really liked it. Four out, of, four out of five, right? Yeah, four out of five. Yeah, I don't remember what I what was my review. Let's see. I said this was. You're gonna read it out. Yeah, I said this was undoubtedly ten year old me's dream. Trust and believe. I ate it up because I am so knowledgeable about the lore. I enjoyed it a lot. They did not make the movie with non fans in mind. I'd imagine you'd be quite confused if you knew absolutely nothing. I had fun though, and the inclusion of Matt, Pat, and Corey was genius. The graphics on the animatronics was so good. Using Matthew Lillard was a great idea too. Josh Hutchinson obviously brought in the girls and the gays, and the song at the end was just a cherry on top. <laughs> So yeah, I really liked the movie. What about you, friend? What did you think? As a someone coming in new, what was your opinion? Well, I was actually going to ask you a question before I give my two cents on it. So, you know, you being a Five Nights at Freddy's fan go for quite a while now. So to my awareness, there were some longtime Five Nights at Freddy's fans that were let down by the movie. What's your perspective on that of why that would be? Uh, out of curiosity i heard that as well and they were disappointed that they changed like some core aspects of the game lore um because in the movie it it's apparent that the guy who runs finance at freddy's is not related to mike the security guard and in the game he is that's his son and a part of the lore oh. is that his brother, he accidentally killed his brother by putting his head in Foxy. And then um, his sister also got killed by another one of the animatronics. So that was like the whole lore in the game. So that changed some key aspects in the movie. So I understand why that's disappointed, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know why you would expect the movie to be the same as the game because then that would like ruin the allure of the game, I think. I can understand, you know, some people like, like I under, I totally understand that frustration of an adaptation not a hundred percent living up to the lore, but when you say it like that, friend, I can understand why such changes were made when you consider this is to some degree a soft reboot of the franchise, kind of starting from the beginning with this Mike the security guard character, that I think 
you know, especially for newer fans. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a fan yet, but newer watchers like me, I think it would certainly be a little bit confusing. Like if they were to stick to the original storyline where both Mike's brother and his sister died, you know, it would have been a lot to take in. I think they just wanted to take a little bit more baby steps. You know, they had kept true with his brother dying, but they had made the changes of the the owner, I don't remember his name at the moment, that he became the cop lady's father instead, and they let Mike's sister live, which, if I'm being honest, if they did end the movie with them killing her, it would have been a little bit too dark. I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad it was different than the game, because, I mean, the game was supposed to be a sort of a mystery. We don't know everything, even after all these years. So, and I like that part. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, Keeps you wondering. What did you think, friend? But but to give my two cents, I definitely really enjoyed it. Um, I think my main constructive criticism of the film, and my brother, he's a pretty big fan of Freddy's fan too, and he kind of like just walked in the room and told me, asked me that I'm watching it, and I asked him how did he enjoy it, and he said something which I can agree with him with that you know as I was watching the movie that I would give constructive criticism on. I feel the film, like, relies a little bit too much on the jump scares to the point that they were really predictable, if you know what I mean. My brother had made the point that they were definitely a lot more unpredictable in the game. What do you think, friend? Uh, They are more unpredictable. They are more unpredictable in the game. That's, that's like, the that's pretty much the entire key point of the game, that you don't know when the jump scares are happening. Because if you can predict the jump scares, you would win the game too easily. So mm-hmm. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Josh Hutcherson, he's I I haven't really seen him in too many movies aside from the, I'm not gonna lie, friend. I think the only movie I've ever seen him in was the very first Hunger Games movie that came out back in twenty twelve. You know, I'm not a fan of that series. So like I don't I think this is what like the second movie I've ever seen Josh Hutcherson in. He's a pretty you know, likable actor to watch. So, you know, it's good to see him doing good after the Hunger Games franchise all these years later, you know? And fun fact, because we were talking about Spider-Man earlier, that a lot of people don't know that Josh Hutcherson, he had actually originally auditioned for the role of the Amazing Spider-Man, but but inevitably lost the role to Andrew Garfield. And if you ask me, I think Josh would have did a pretty good job as Peter Parker, definitely in the Amazing Spider-Man universe. Now, if he was casted as Peter Parker in the MCU, I don't think that would have worked out. Just a totally different vibe for those two Spider-Men. Mm-hmm. But let me not get sidetracked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Um, what was I about to say? I think that atmosphere was definitely very creepy. Like, just all the scenes in the arcade. Like, I think the atmosphere was very well done. The animatronics within themselves, I think they definitely had a creepiness to them. But there were times... Now, I would have to do more research on the movie. I wasn't sure if the animatronics that they had specifically made for the movie were supposed to be more practical or if they were supposed to be CGI because there were certain times where they had close-ups on like Foxy's foot where it just looked a little unfinished. 
So I don't want to criticize it too hard. You know, like I said, I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be intentional, if it was supposed to be practical, or if that was CGI. Do you know the answer to that? Um, I saw the set because Matt Pat made a video where he like went behind the scenes of Five Nights at Freddy's, and they like actually built the animatronics like themselves. Okay, so it was more practical. Yeah. It wasn't just like all fake like CGI stuff. They actually built them. Okay, then I take back what I said. If those supposed to be more practical than okay. It's supposed to look a little cheesy. Yeah, they built the whole set. Um, they didn't. They like built the whole thing from the ground up. It was really cool. Shout yeah. out Matt Pat. I'm not gonna lie, friend. I haven't heard of Matt Pat until you sent me that video. My brother knows who he is, though. You never heard of Matt Pat before, friend? You never watched Game no, Theory? No, friend. And this is. And this is coming from someone for now. I used to watch a lot of gaming YouTube you videos when I was younger. You never watched Film Theory? Maybe once or twice, friend. I don't oh know. I, I used to watch... A lot of the people I used to watch... I used to watch Jay Shockblast, The Rad Brad, Markiplier, and Jacksepticeye, Dashy Games, a few other people. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I used to watch a lot of mm -hmm. those. Yeah, I used to watch... I used to watch Matt Pat more often. But now, since I only play specific kind of games, I don't watch him as much anymore. Yeah, he was good. Uh, can't believe he's gone. I mean, he's not. He's not mm. dead. He retired. Just <laughs> right. Now, what really has? I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but what really had me thinking is the ending. Where do you think that's going to go, friend? Where the crew, let's just call him Freddy for now. That the guy in the, was it a, was it a lion? I don't remember what animal he oh, was. Oh, you mean the, the golden Freddy costume? Wait, no, he was in the gold, who was yes. in the golden Bonnie one? Was he? I think, yeah, it was the golden Bonnie. Um, okay, so this actually comes in part with the game lore. So he spends, in the game at least, he spends like 40 years locked up in that back room, just like decaying. Oh. Mm -hmm. So do so. with that being said, is it safe to assume that Josh Hutcherson won't be the protagonist in the next sequel? He might. Since 40 years passes. He, I mean, if they're following the game, if they're following like that timeline of the game, he might not be um but uh but also in the game mike the security guard shows up throughout so he should unless they make josh hutcherson look older i don't know i'm just taking guesses i don't know but like the whole goal of mike in the game is to like at some points he's trying to do his dad's bidding and at some point he's trying to save his sister um and like avenge yeah and to your point and to your point that the cop lady whose name i don't remember at the moment that she's the daughter of golden freddy now so it was golden bonnie to kinda, not golden freddy golden, golden yeah golden freddy is different sorry yeah but please don't attack me in the comments y'all i'm still learning gifs um but yes golden bonnie so I mean, I would say it's pretty safe to assume that she would return as well because, they, you know, considering that Mike the security guard isn't related to Golden Bonnie anymore, like, they kind of have to, you know, incorporate the main storyline somehow. Mm -hmm. If they're getting a sequel, and if they're, uh, if they're like, trying to Oh, Josh Hutcherson said a sequel is officially in the works. 
Oh, okay, that's cool. If they're following the game, then it might it they might be. But if they're not, I I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, hang on a second, friend. Let me just um, I'm just going on my phone to look on YouTube real quick. So it's a particular singing movie to me that stood out. Also, you had mentioned Corey Kenshin's cameo before. Even though I got that spoiled in the trailer, it was still like funny to see. Even though like it was just like a really like small appearance, you know. What's the name of the cupcake, by the way? I never got that. I don't know. I don't. I don't think the cupcake has a name. No, She's just a cupcake. a cupcake. That's funny. You see. Oh, you have I it. Do. <laughs> oh, another thing was, friend. So okay, his name is William. I d- his name is William. The cupcake. No, the the owner, William William Afton. Oh, I was I, I was about to say I was like <laughs> everybody's got a fancy name. No, except <laughs> cupcakes is named William. I remember what I was going to say now, friend. So, in particular, the scene when, I think it was Bonnie and Foxy, for what I remember correctly, that they killed the people that were breaking into the arcade. Is it me, or they were kind of holding back with the rating a little bit? I feel it was quite a bit violent for just a PG-13 film. Mm -hmm. Especially also just the whole premises of kidnapping kids and you know, putting them into those machines. Even, like, the ending scene when the gang gangs up on Golden Bonnie and, like, I don't know, they hack his suit or whatever. And, like, it starts crushing him. That was, like, graphic but not graphic. It's, like, it's graphic but they didn't 100% show because, like I said, they were kind of holding back. Why do you you think they didn't make it rated R? Maybe because the dickers are so better or because... Because I'm thinking to myself, a lot of the people that went to go see this movie, like, you know, are around me and your age that, you know, that you, like you said, you had grown up earlier with Five Nights at Freddy's from when you were in elementary, but of course you're older now. Like, it was targeted towards that demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot. Um, he's in, okay, so basically William Afton, at the end of the movie, gets trapped in the Springlock suit of Golden Bonnie. And then he's then, and then from now on, we call him Spring Trap, right? Because it's, uh, yeah, he's trapped in the springs, you know? Yeah, that's the whole thing. And he stays back there. Uh, oh, Jesus, how long does he stay back there? <laughs> I don't I don't know how long he stays back there. Um, but I don't know why they did it PG-13. My best guess would be the fact that the game is targeted towards 13-year-olds. Um, it's a pretty disturbing game for just 13-year-olds, if you ask me. I mean, most of us started playing the game. We were like 9 or 10. So that's like <laughs> the demographic. So I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that it is um, PG-13. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of the audience would have would have thrown a fit if 
it was rated R. If it was R rated, yeah, because then certain people wouldn't have been able the to see Karens, it. Probably. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think the suspense was definitely there. I'll admit, I was a little confused, like, you know, with the whole concept of Mike, the security guard, having the visions. And I remember I had texted you about it, that I'm thinking to myself, does Mike only have the visions when he's in the arcade? Or, or can you re-answer that for me again? Um, I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. I mean, in the movie, doesn't he have some at home, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't think so. And Blumhouse, they had also produced this film, and I would imagine they're going to continue to produce all the other sequels. So I would say the franchise is in pretty good hands. Element Blumhouse doesn't always live. I think they're a solid horror company, if you ask me. What do you think, friend? Yeah, I love Blumhouse. Oh, yeah, I was right. William Afton mm-hmm. did stay in the spring in the spring trap suit for 30 years in the back of freddy fastbear's pizzeria people are like how did he how did he stay alive how did he survive well because <laughs> there's another soul in there. i was kind of thinking the same thing friend hmm. oh But yeah, he's he is dead. People forget he's dead. He like the same way that the other children are possessing the animatronics, he's doing the same thing. Ooh, so I'm just reading the comments, friend, of this one video, the behind the scenes of the film. So some people that are longtime Five Nights at Freddy's fans, it appears that they were also disappointed because you know. Mike, the security guard, wasn't doing his security guard thing throughout majority of the movie that they felt that the arcade could have used more screen time. Um, Which, I can understand that. Yeah, what do you think? I could see that, too. I mean, in the game, he's you're like, you are Mike, and you're, like, going throughout, like, doing your security guard thing, looking through the stuff. But, I mean, also in the game, you mostly stay in the office. So, mm-hmm. I don't really... Except, I mean, in the later games, you leave the office. But I've never played... I didn't even know there was more than one game. Oh, there's a lot of games, friend. Oh, there's so many. Please enlighten me. There's so... Okay, let's look it up. How many Five Nights at Games? How many Five Nights at Freddy's games are there? Because I've only played four games myself. I only I only made it up to the fourth game. So, let's see. How many... There are eight games. No, there are nine games now. Oh, no. There's 13 games. Okay, so it says overall there are eight main... They got more games than than Grand Theft Auto. Overall, there are eight main games and five spinoff games. Now, I only played four of the main games, so... I don't know much about them except from what I watched in the um the recap. But from what I watched in the recap, in some of the later games you actually leave the office and go into the arcade and like do your thing. But in all of the early games, mm-hmm. you stay in the office. You don't leave the office. Unless unless you're going really? unless you're going into the vent. 
So and this is the first movie. So I don't know why they expected him to leave the office much. No, I totally feel your perspective as well that I guess people were expecting so much so soon. I think all their disappointments that they've had with this one will most likely more than not deliver in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they do, yeah. if they do a lot of sequels, then I'm going to assume he's going to... Especially... Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, you first, Ernie. I'm going to assume he's going to leave the office more. Since like in the... I do not remember the third game. But in the fourth game, it's played in a child's bedroom. And you don't leave the bedroom like that. No, it's it it is disturbing. But you don't leave the bedroom like that. And in each game, well, I mean, in the fourth game, you're in somebody else's perspective, I think, because you're either Mike or you're Mike's brother before as he's dying in his hospital bed. In the original lore, is Mike's brother and sister given actual names, or are they just originally known as Mike's brother and sister and are just given names in the movie? No, they have names. Okay, so it's the same names on the The sister's name is Elizabeth. Um, I forgot his brother's name. Let's see. Because I don't remember. <clears throat> Yeah, Elizabeth is killed by, oh, what's the girl's name? What is the girl's Jesus? Um, She's killed. Oh, his brother's name is Garrett. Mm. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, Elizabeth Afton. What is she in? Oh my god, I forgot about that. Circus Baby. Elizabeth Afton is eaten by Circus Baby. Okay? And then she then possesses Circus Baby. And Garrett Afton is... He he's the bite of eighty seven or is it eighty four? Don't remember. But either way, he gets bitten by Freddy because of Mike. So yeah. Any other questions, friend? Are you ready to do Barbie? Um, I, I was actually just thinking. Um, I would say that quite wraps it up. It's not a very long movie to deconstruct. Maybe if I watch it around for a second time, maybe I might have more questions then. But yeah, I would say I'm ready to talk about Barbie. I have a whole speech written out. Okay. What, what do you give Bonessa Freddy's out of five? Oh, out of five? I, I, I usually prefer out of ten. I feel it's harder to do it out okay, of five. Okay, do it out of ten. Out of ten, I would say... around between a seven or an eight 
not because I disenjoyed the film, I did, but like I said, I think I would have a greater appreciation, like, you know, if I grew up with the lore, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, yeah. now we can do Barbie, woo! I also saw- I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. I also I'm saw sorry. Barbie in theaters. Um... <laughs> I saw Barbie. No, sorry. <laughs> I saw Barbies in theaters too. I saw it um, opening weekend. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I got dressed in my pink. I went to the theater, saw the movie. Um, I really liked it, but this was all the way back in July, so I don't remember everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember that I cried towards the end of the movie. Um, so. Was it this scene when Barbie with the old lady human? No, I cried. Yeah, cried, I cried with the old lady. Yeah, it was. It was. A, yeah, that was speech. the last five minutes of the film. Yeah, it was a good speech. It was a good speech. I like the speech. Um, I gave Barbie mm-hmm. a. I gave Barbie a. Let's see what I gave her. Oh, I gave Barbie a four and a half. That's a shocker. Um, I said mm. I called it amazing. The jokes, the, ex- the existential crisis, the outfits. I cried at the end. Definitely the movie of the summer and well worth the hype. So, Fran, I know you have lots to say. Take it away. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get out these notes, y'all. It's gonna be too hard to paraphrase all this, so I'm just gonna read directly what I wrote. I had thought that the film is fun, has lighthearted, quirky humor, reminiscent of a children's film, yet nonetheless is not necessarily written for younger audiences if the first 10 minutes didn't give that away. I think the film particularly did a good job of, you know, poking little humorous jabs at stereotypical gender caricatures, particularly, you know, male, I would say more white male caricatures. A scene in the film that I'll admit made me laugh out loud was when the Kens were watching The Godfather, because that is like the ultimate like white dude bra like film. Like, I don't know what it is, why they're obsessed with that film. (laughs) So yeah, I really enjoyed that joke. Um... And then I thought this scene with Ken, like, you know, soaking up just the, the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like the American dream of your average white boy that like, you know, what they think makes them more of a man, whether if it's what they drive or just really all these capitalistic materialistic things to boost their ego because even the narrator said in the start that can only exist to seek the attention of barbie and now here's where a lot of my constructive criticism comes into the film so right off of the bat within the first 10 minutes of the film it's definitely written to a particular white feminist demographic. I personally feel that the film fails to convey a sense of inclusion. Wait, sorry, sorry, friend, I'm like, made mistakes writing my thing. I feel the film fails to convey a sense of inclusion of a point of view where black, brown, or other marginalized women 
And despite Issa Rae being President Barbie and other marginalized Barbies as extras, now I need to paraphrase because you know when you're typing so fast, you make so many mistakes. I need to stop doing that. Okay, so to paraphrase what I'm saying, I feel my biggest issue within the writing of the film is that I feel that it was a little bit too white feminist of a lens. And that's a little bit tone deaf, excuse me. Let me use the word insensitive because I had learned earlier from my mutual bunny, shout out to them, that the word tone deaf is a little bit ableist. So for better words, I feel that the white feminist lens was very insensitive to other demographics that were watching the film such as you know black woman brown woman and just any other marginalized woman that you could think of when you consider that i feel the film for the most part just puts all of women's struggles into one box and does not address the intersection directly and this i feel that the film was trying to be inclusive but not really be inclusive, if that makes sense. Because I feel a lot of people fail to acknowledge just because you have a diverse cast on set, that doesn't necessarily make the film or TV show diverse. That really puts a tokenization on these marginalized characters as they really serve no purpose aside from being in the background. You have the magical Negro trope that I'm sure you probably heard of where a black, brown, or just whatever non-white character aids in the assistance of the main character to drive the story, but does not have an actual storyline of their own. And that's how I felt a lot of the black and brown Barbies were treated throughout the third act of the film, like President Barbie, for example, and also a few other of the Barbies that we meet towards the climax of the film when they're trying to take back Barbie land from the Kens. And... um. And me personally, I think the film was quite too short that, like I said, there's so much intersection that you could take apart with different points of view of different women, whether if that's in regards to racial background, ethnic cultural background, religious background, sexual identity background. I have a solution of how they could have included that. Because the more that I think about it, even if the film was longer, I don't think they could have covered all those things. Me personally, if I was in the creative chair of Warner Brothers, I would have made this into a TV show, in particular, an anthology series. And who knows if they can make this into an idea now after you know the film has come out now, like a little spin-off series on like HBO Max or something. In my opinion, I think it would be a really interesting concept to play around with is if they were to make an anthology series, a different Barbie set in a different identity, whether that be racial, ethnic, or just whatever kind of woman every episode. Because like I said, the experience of woman isn't a collective monolith, you know? And I feel that's the biggest problem with white feminism that they try to be inclusive of other women while still also pushing themselves at the forefront, you know? I understand. And... Oh, are you... sorry, friend, are you done? Oh, no, sorry, friend, I have a lot. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Finish. So one of my second bullet points that I wrote is a, an aspect that had stood out to me in the first act of the film is there's a funny reference to the matrix when barbie well, margaret roberts version of barbie is offered by ugly barbie i think her name was like the outcast barbie or whatever that 
Margaret Robbie version of Barbie was given the choice of the red pill, blue pill situation in the form of the high heel or the sandal that I either give you the choice to continue living in this fantasy of a perfect world that you created for yourself and you can tell yourself whatever what you want is real or I can show you the real world. And Barbie, of course, picks the opposite of Neo in The Matrix, where she just wants to stay in her bubble. And from a social lens, I had felt that this represents how white feminism in particular is very conservative on the DL. Because like I said, while they paint themselves as they want to care for other marginalized women of different racial or ethnic backgrounds. They, for those who don't know, it's an unfortunate truth that feminism, when it was founded in the late 1800s, going into the early 1900s, women were given the right to vote in the United States. It was founded upon the roots of white supremacy that white women wanted to be second place to white men on the power hierarchy, and that they were willing to maintain you know, that position of power that they weren't obviously going to share with other women. And I feel Barbie making the choice to stay in her bubble with picking the high heel of staying in her fantasy, I feel it represents that conservatism of still modern day feminism, which is a sad truth. And there was, and to move on to the next bullet, there was a part in the film where Sasha no, wait, that's, that's the character's name, Sasha. She had mentioned in the car chase, which had really stood out to me that I feel the film could have like explored a little bit more in this aspect, that Sasha had mentioned that women hate on other women. I think that's the one thing that men and women can actually come to an agreement to. Despite that it was such a really small one-off moment, I feel that it had such a lot of meaning to it that the film definitely didn't take advantage of actually diving deeper into especially because you know you have the concept of women supporting women that may be true in some cases but certainly not all the time because i feel the hoics of modern day feminism and the whole girl support girls or the woman support woman concept is that when you have these intersections of race or cultural differences, sexuality, identity differences, and even religion, not everyone is going to see eye to eye and support each other's lifestyles for whatever reason that may be. And to finish off my concluding bullet point, you also have to consider that I feel that the film just didn't touch upon, which I feel they easily could have, but they most likely just didn't want to dip their toes in it that you also have women that also internalize patriarchal beliefs and that I feel while the film was an enjoyably fun watch, I feel that despite that the film was trying to be socially relevant, it could have done a way better job as I have observed that the script was just a simplicity of black and white and good versus evil you know and that's my concluding thoughts of my constructive criticism of the barbie film i agree with all of that you see but the reason why i was able to look past most of those things is because 
I remember who directed it, which is Greta Gerwig. I'm not a white woman. Yes, and Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. is known for making, um, I think it was Little Women, um, Midsummer, yes. if I'm not being, if I'm not mistaking it, um, whatever that movie that Timothy Chalamet was in. I think it was Little Women. Actually, hold on, let's look up Greta Gerwig. I briefly remember that movie. That came out in 2017. So she did. No, 2019. Friend, I think you muted yourself by accident. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. I gotta say, uh, she's most known for doing Ladybird and Lady Bird and Little Women and then Barbie. Um, so I wasn't expecting her to all of a sudden be inclusive to people of color in her films. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also think that this film is also made for maybe but me to be digestible for people who are just being introduced to the woes of women like you know certain men and children so i feel like Perhaps. that's why they made it more i guess digestible if we want to call it that mm. um so yeah but all of those are valid criticisms that i that mm-hmm. i thought while i was watching the movie i was in there and it was a whole bunch of white girls in pink I was like, oh, you know, they look mm-hmm. cute, but it's, you know, um, but yeah. And I have a little bit more to say when you're finished, Ren, just let me know. Oh, I'm done. Go ahead. Oh, to build upon you, I can agree to also respectfully disagree. I think there was certainly a certain demographic that they had in mind. Like I said, I think the film balances the one side where the humor throughout the entire film is very childlike. You would see in your average kids film but like i said when it came to the deeper social messages i feel that was aimed at two demographics i think that was both aimed at gen z you know probably like the the girls and young women around your age that have probably grew up watching barbie cartoons and collecting the dolls and whatnot but then in another perspective there's also a lot of those deep moments that discuss motherhood and I would assume that they were aiming to help just mothers born in like Gen X or even millennials like feel seen in some sense. Like how Sasha's mother, whose name I do not remember, about how she sacrifices her own needs and wants for motherhood. And that while she loves being a mother, it's certainly not always a perfect thing. And what was the last thing that I was about to say? And another constructive criticism that I would give to the film building off of what Sasha's mother said, I feel there are a lot of points in the film that get really socially deep, that you have the entire scene that I just mentioned where Sasha's mother is just venting to all the Barbies about, you know, the struggles of motherhood. And then you have a scene earlier in the film, I think it was in the second the beginning of the second act where margaret robbie's barbie visits sasha at her middle school and sasha and her friends tell off barbie about the hoax of the company of how it has done a little bit more damage to young girls and it has benefits throughout the decades about how it affected them 
body image wise and just a lot of these social expectations that not a lot of women can measure up to because of the misogyny present in a lot of industries. And it's like, you know, like I said, I really appreciated that scene, but here's what throws me off. It's like they could have built on from that scene from there, but it's like it the film kind of contradicts itself because right after that scene where Sasha tells off Barbie, it just cuts the Ken where he enters it looks like a mall or something like that where he's just soaking up all the really stereotypical like white patriarchy you know and it just felt like a little bit of inconsistent storytelling like jumping from one social point to the next you know like like i said i feel they could have deeply fleshed that out more if maybe the film was longer and then speaking of the patriarchy that brings me into my next point while I did enjoy a lot of the jabs to the patriarchy, like I said, that little joke to the Godfather with white dude bras, that's like always their favorite movie. Like I said, those jokes were funny, but I feel they had relied on that a little bit too much, like throughout showcasing the Kens. If you ask me, I feel in that aspect that the way that I see it, it's like the film was, for lack of better words, complaining about the patriarchy existing instead of actually acknowledging how much deeper that it runs of how it also affects men and why the patriarchy should be disabandoned because by the time you know it's the last 15 minutes of the film and ken comes to his senses that he was wrong the whole time ken was sorry but he wasn't really sorry he just didn't want to be in barbie's shadow was all it's not like he had came to the realization of how harmful the patriarchy not only was to women but men themselves and i feel they were really sugarcoating that mm -hmm. i can see that friend um i don't know the mojo dojo casa house thing the way all the barbies just like immediately started following the kins as soon as they were told that they should I think that like mm -hmm. had like a big symbolism to it as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I can see what you're saying about how the patriarchy affects men and how they could have put it in the movie, but I don't think the movie, I don't mm -hmm. think the movie was made with men in mind, honestly. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I could have worded that a little better. Like, going back to what I said, like, when Ken apologizes, and I have my quotation fingers up since you guys can't see us, like I said, Ken didn't seem to have any regret in any of his actions. He was only, how best to put it, like, he had just given up because he had only wanted Barbie's approval the whole time. And I just, I don't know, I just feel that they kind of missed out on some opportunity there. Because to your point that you had made earlier, friend, there are also some younger kids, like younger than 13, both young girls and boys, that are that might not be aware of like gender constructs earlier on in that age and are like, you know, are trying to get the nuance of it. That's why I also feel that it was a missed opportunity of why they didn't acknowledge Ken actually seeing the fault and the flawness in his actions. Like I said, I feel the film was very surface level, good versus evil, black and white type of thing, yin and yang. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was it was pretty surface level. I think it went deeper on certain parts, like with the um, with us finally meeting the creator of the Barbie. That was like a really mm -hmm. that was like the best scene in the movie to me. Um, 
I wasn't expecting that for sure. Yeah, that was the scene that made me cry. Um, So that's like my favorite part of the movie. But also when um, I forgot her character's name, but America Ferreira, who is the um, the mom to Sasha, the mother of yeah, Sasha, um, when she was making her speech to the Barbies, I like that resonated about motherhood, yeah, about motherhood, and also just like womanhood in general. That like resonated to mm-hmm. me a lot. Now it could have been deeper, um, but it, it it told pretty much the surface woes of womanhood, and I thought that was a pretty mm-hmm. good scene. But I mean, I really took, I, I, I can't take the film as um, as like a deep social criticism as much as other people can, simply because mm-hmm. it's, it's made by Greta Gerwig and like. Right, I could totally agree with yeah. that. <laughs> and that, to build off of you, that, that really does like connect full circle to the point that I had mm-hmm. made in the start. I feel this would have been better off as a TV series, more so an anthology series showcasing the different backgrounds that Barbie could be. And it's like funny because that's literally in the first five minutes of the film that Margaret Robbie's Barbie is like, Barbie could be this, that, and that kind of woman. But it's like at the same time, they say one thing in the dialogue, but don't actually apply that to the actual story of the movie. It was really more for show of inclusion than actual inclusion. Yeah, I really like the fact that the narrator and the dialogue kind of butted Mm. heads at times like when when margaret robbie was like oh i feel so ugly just look at me and the narrator was like you probably want to cast someone other than margot robbie to making this point you're correct i really like the narration that it was like yeah i appreciated that scene but was also confused about that scene to your point the film was contradicting itself it's like the film is self-aware yes that they could have written the film better but it's i don't know it was definitely a little off-putting there was also a particular scene where i don't remember what was the name of this particular barbie she was this light-skinned black girl with like loose curly hair oh nobel prize barbie yeah, that she said that she she remembers that she wrote a book that about her analysis of the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, and I was like, well, that, well, number one, that was a really random reference. And I was like, but well, I don't understand that. Like, can you explain that scene a little better to me? I can't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know either, friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's also this is a little bit of a nitpick, but how did Barbie and Ken get bailed out of jail so many times? They're Barbie and Ken. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, it's like, what? They're Barbie and Ken. That's just it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the narration criticized the dialogue so much because the movie is self-aware. Because in many Hollywood movies, they like to take like this attractive-looking white woman and then pretend like she's ugly until she gets a makeover. And that's what many movies are like. So I think that that part of the dialogue mm-hmm. was uh, poking fun at that uh, those actors those um casting choices because that's like everywhere in film like even the princess diaries she like has she has the the curly frizzy hair and the glasses at the beginning of the movie and then it's like she gets made over and then all of a sudden oh my gosh she's so hot meanwhile it's anne hathaway like be serious Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that was that i think that's what that part was about Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And just going back to my idea of a Barbie anthology series on like HBO Max, if you ask me, friend, I think that could last quite a few seasons. What do you think? I don't know. I feel people take I feel people take the idea of anthology series for granted. I can't really think of too many aside from Black Mirror, The Twilight Zone. I think it would be quite an interesting idea. I but who love knows? anthology series. My favorite ones are um, Cabinet of Curiosities and um two sentence horror stories love those mm-hmm. baby eating oh american horror stories another anthology series how could i forget about yeah, that like them too so yeah i love a good anthology now a barbie anthology mm, i don't know about that mm. i don't think i would tune in personally that's just too long mm. it's too i don't want to see a barbie tv show I can, I can okay, go okay, see a friend. movie for the one time, but like a TV series, I doubt that I will be a consistent viewer, honestly. Oh, and that's reasonable. Friend. And Sasha, oh, continue, continue. Sasha and her friends at the table are supposed to be um brats. Named after black yeah, stalls. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my friend Ariel for educating me on that because that reference flew over my head. Yeah, supposed to be the brats. Now, if they remake the brass movie, because they had a brats movie back and I want to say- they did. I think it was 07, maybe? That's as old as my brother. It might have been 07. It had, um, did you watch House of Anubis? Which did one? you watch House of Anubis? It was on Nick. I don't remember that one too much. Okay. Well, uh, Bratz came out in, yeah, it was 2007. It had Nina Martin from House of Anubis. And um, the girl from Pretty Little Liars, Mona. And also, it had... Jesus, why won't the casting pull up? It had Logan Browning. So, Logan Browning picked, picked Sasha. Skylar Shane was Chloe. Janelle Paris was Jade. Nathalia Ramos was Yasmin. And, uh, yeah, that was like, those like the main people. Um, but, yeah, they had a Brass movie back in 2007. Now, if they were to remake that, oh, I'd be there. Now that's a movie I want to see. Because I don't think they would do like a whole feminism take on brats. I think it would just be like, you know, brats. Now I have my casting choices. People have done many a um a fan cast. People want um Ryan Destiny to be Sasha, which I can see that. I can see it. What do you think, friend? Um uh, yeah. They want to- I don't know if you're, I'm the person you should really be asking. Because, you know, I don't really... <laughs> Have you never seen the brats, like the dolls? Oh yeah, my 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 cousins, my uh, my girl cousins that are older than me. For what I remember, they were definitely more monsters, high and brats dolls. I don't even know if they saw the Barbie movie to be honest, because they didn't really. I don't remember them really playing with those too much, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, friend, what did you give Barbie out of ten? I would say a solid six or a 6.5 for the jokes. I think the jokes definitely landed at times. The Godfather joke was a um, icing on the cake as a film major because I've met so many of those white guys. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we didn't even talk um, about Michael Sarah. 
Okay, so I okay, so the first scene that comes to mind that the Alan fight scene was so out of the blue. I was like, wait, what's going on? It was funny. I'm so shocked that Michael Sarah is in the Barbie movie. That's that's so yeah, funny. Yeah, that was random for sure. Yeah. Will Ferrell was also a surprise to see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. No, what was I about to say though? If I had any other thoughts, yeah, I would say around a six or six and a half, being a little bit more generous. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm a total naysayer, but I didn't hate the movie by any means. Like I said, a lot of constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, like I said before, I gave it a four and a half out of five. Um, because Letterbox only goes to five. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's it for this episode, guys. Don't forget to yeah. follow our socials. Um, and we have a website now, so you can find all our stuff on our website. We have all the episodes over there, all our links, um, everything. Uh, don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm T Critiques everywhere um and where are you friend blurred equal vibes with a z on everything Mm -hmm. and with that being said we are being effing for real tuning out bye-bye see y'all